Welcome, boys and girls, to the Under the Dome, home of the Houdat Nation. Uh, this is episode three, and we're finally talking real football because training camp is open. We finally have some new players to talk about, some exciting young rookies, and some exciting uh, undrafted free agents. Uh, and uh, with me tonight is my uh, my partner in crime here, Mr. Sean Williams. Go ahead, Sean. How you, how you doing tonight, Alan? I'm doing good. How about you? Well, the show must go on. We're gonna make we're gonna do a good job. I'm so excited for tonight's episode because tonight we're welcoming in one of the people that I when it comes to New Orleans Saints football, and that is D. Scott Alexander. And he's the host of Primetime Sports in New Orleans and surrounding areas. Primetime Sports with Scott Alexander. That's Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and Thursday nights. And he also is the owner, editor of saintsinsider.com, a very good site I highly recommend to any Saints fan to follow. And he's also, for you basketball uh, supporters out there, he does Pelican very well. And with that, I want to welcome in Scott Alexander. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight, Scott. Well, I'm honored, guys, to be here. Alan and obviously Sean, for the for the first time you've had a guest. You've done a great job with your first two shows. And I'm up here at Saints training camp, so I'm ready ready to talk some football. You guys ready? Absolutely. 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 All right. Let's get uh, Scott, if you had to write a narrative for the first five practices that they've had so far, what would be the, the main thing to be talking about? chemistry without a doubt I mean this is my fifth year back in New Orleans after uh, being away for a long long time and my fifth training camp that I'm able to see up close as part of the media and I got to tell you the the vibe I get is so much different and uh, it's weird I mean it's one thing to say the vibe on the field that's hard to tell people can say okay practice is practice it's just the vibe you get we get eight to ten players every single day in a tent that we all talk to under the tent and, um, you know, talk to them about what's going on in practice, what they expect next season. And just the way they talk about each other is the biggest difference to me and how they plan on, on utilizing. A lot of guys are, are playing a bunch of positions and trying to get the best 11. You've seen it a lot. You you probably saw yesterday Calamente played a lot of tackle. Him and, uh, you know, Andres Pete have been switching back and forth. All the defensive linemen have been playing all across the board. The linebackers, Craig Robertson and Stupar, much better than advertised. Those guys are playing along the – along the uh, all three linebacker spots, Mike, Sam, and Will, just to say, hey, if there's an injury, they can fill somebody in. And they're doing the same thing in the secondary with Von Bell, the guy's playing everywhere. Eric Harris, that young guy, he's playing everywhere. So it's just a bunch of guys that really seem to like each other. I'm not saying they haven't before, but much more so than I've been since 2012. Well, Scott, I have to say, this is probably the most uh, optimistic camp I've seen since at least 2013, where they were talking about this is the most talented team the Saints have ever put together on the field. This is the most exciting team they've ever seen put together on the field. This year, it seems like there's an emphasis on these guys are really hard workers. These guys look like they really want to win. Do you? That's the feeling that you're getting over there? Undoubtedly, Alan. I'm telling you, it's that kind of vibe you're getting, guys that will go through walls, guys that don't take plays off. I mean, you always saw – you know, it's, it's just natural. You're going to take a playoff if you get tired, I guess. 
Yeah. You don't see that. The, the coaches like get you out of there before you half butt it. You know what I'm talking about? Don't go out there if you're not going to go out. And they're running through walls right now. And that's the biggest key. You hit on it. That's the biggest key I did not see consistently. Now, granted, I'm only a weekend. I'll be here for a week more. Um, I'll let you know. I'll let y'all know via Twitter or whatever else if that continues. But so far, so good. The attitude has been spectacular among everybody I've talked to. The other thing I've seen. We're talking with uh, D. Scott Alexander. Yeah. Sorry. sorry about that, Sean. We're talking with D. No, Scott that's okay. From SaintsInsider.com, who is actually at White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, at New Orleans Saints training camp. Uh, Scott, the biggest concern among many Saints fans going into training camp this year, <clears throat> excuse me, has been offensive guard. What have you seen in terms of what they're going to do about that? Well, let's get in a three-way discussion here. Let's all talk about this because obviously, that's that's the biggest that's the biggest issue on offense. Let's be honest. The offensive guard position, you've got to keep protecting your, your star player. And Drew Brees, I mean, I wouldn't have said that he was going to be playing this well when, two years ago, and he's playing better than he was. So you have to protect him. Now, obviously, right now, if the season today, I don't think there's any doubt that Lolito is going to be at left guard uh, or, or vice versa, and then you're going to have uh, Andres Pete over there on the other side. So. Those two guys are in there. But I said this yesterday. Kelamente opened my eyes the most. This dude looks a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. He was handling Sheldon Rankins like it was no problem yesterday. I know Rankins is a rookie. He's got a lot to learn. But I was a little impressed by that because Rankins was blowing some other guys off the line. So as far as the guard position, it's still a concern. I can't tell you right now if I feel great about it until I see a couple preseason games because that's a hard position to really judge. Because a lot of times where we're watching the the, 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 uh, the practice, like yesterday, I mean not yesterday, Sunday was perfect because they played on our side of the field where the media is allowed. But a lot of times they play on the other side, so it's really hard to see the trenches. But right now I'm cautiously optimistic. What do you think, Alan? Well, uh, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think they want to put uh, Pete at guard just to have their best five out on the field. But um, you got a lot of fans that are really interested, not so much in Calamente and Lolito. They want to hear about, you know, the new guys. They want to hear about Turner. What is Turner like? Jack Allen. What does he look like? Avery Young. What are these guys? I mean, do they look like they're just too green right now? And maybe we have to wait a little bit longer. Let's see how it shakes out in preseason. Or does it like any of those guys could have an impact and maybe be there starting, you know, Week one against the Oakland Raiders. Well, as of what I've seen so far, not a chance. Um, Jack Allen, Jack Allen is a technician, but man, he is getting tossed around a little bit by some big dudes, uh, particularly Tyler Davidson. That's a guy. But <laughs> but the thing is, I, I think Turner needs a lot more work with his footwork. I think he makes this team um, at worst a practice squad player. I think he's got the potential to be the starter. You got a lot of size there. But I've only seen three practices in pads, so it's really hard to tell what he's – and this is the first week for these guys. Sean, you know this. The first week for the guys that are just brand new, they're just in la-la land trying to figure it all out. You know, these these defensive linemen are kind of experienced at this point other than Rankins, and they're getting they're getting shown – you know, put it this way, the defense dominated, I thought, the first two days of pad practice. I thought yeah. the offense picked it up on Sunday. But – Right now, it's hard to tell about these young offensive linemen. I just see them getting beat consistently on one-on-one drills. 
I kind of feel that There's way a, too. A because... lot... Yeah, you two go ahead. Sorry. I'm gonna let you two talk for a second. It's y'all's show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I... I well, think there's a, there's a lot more for young offensive linemen to learn in terms of protection, what you do here, what you do there, so on and so forth. And basically, your defensive lineman, you're going to get the quarterback or you're going to get stop the ball. How much does that enter into what young guys are experiencing now as far as a learning curve? Well, I was going to throw in this, too. You know, last year we saw with Andrus Pete. After he did the banquet circuit, he came to camp a little, you know, out of shape, had a hard time getting traction in the league, eventually got put in a couple times, didn't look that good in the, in the beginning, but as the season wore on, he started to get a little bit more in football shape, a little more in football shape. I think that's what you're going to see with these young guys like Turner. I think a, a season kind of on the bench in an NFL-level conditioning and training program you'll probably see a much bigger leap next year with Jack Allen, Turner, players like that than you will this year. I think this year it's going to be the three-way battle between Pete, Clemente, and Lolito. I think that's it's just going to have to be that well, way right now. Let me say this about Pete. Boy, man, I mean, he is blowing me away. When they put him at left tackle uh, yesterday, you know, they kind of had the Clemente on, on – on, I mean, on Sunday – uh, Sunday, let me think, no, it was yesterday. What am I talking about? Yesterday was the practice day. So, yeah, Sunday they had Kelamente at left tackle. Yesterday they had Pete. Pete at left tackle because Teron Armstead's out, right? Yeah. Dude, right. this guy looked great. I'm telling you, he, he's not showing any of that rookie, uh, you know, inexperience that he had that year. And that's his natural position. Now, no way he's going to ever beat out Armstead, but I'm going to say this. That tackle spot, once he takes over from Pete, is going to be one of the best in the NFL. I'm telling you, that's how much I think of Pete right now after watching a full week of him and how he's doing business this year compared to last. Do you think he supplants uh, Streif before the season's over? That's a great question, actually. It just depends on how the other guards are playing. You know, right now, I think they just plan on giving Allen, I think they plan on giving Streif protection over there by putting the tight end on his side most of the time, maybe throwing the fullback in. But Pete right now, I mean, Streif right now can still get the job done. He's not getting it done against the real fast, you know, athletic DNs. And I know there's a lot of them, but they're going to help him out. They know they can isolate Armstead all day long. And I think right now, at the end of the season, if you put my money on it, I think you might be right. I think Pete might be filling in. Injuries are going to tell the tale. There's no way a full season's going on with everybody being healthy on the offensive line. But if they were, I think the odds on favorite – you might be right. It just depends on if Calamante can continue to play like I've seen him play the first few days of training camp. If that's the case, then I might feel more comfortable. But you know Sean Payton. He wants the veteran in there. He doesn't want to have to rely on Lolito, Pete, and, and obviously Calamante. I mean, he'd rather have the experienced veteran and take his chances there. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, how about the defensive line? You, you talked a little bit with Tyler Davidson having a great camp. Uh, Nick Fairley got knocked out early with uh, a mysterious injury. Could be a cramp. Not a, not quite sure what's going on with him. But uh, how about the rest of the defensive line? I've read that John Jenkins has, seems to be having an okay camp to a very good camp. Davidson seems to be stepping up. What do you see out of the defensive line so far? 
Well, that's the group I get to watch the closest. I mean, sometimes the offensive line, they let us get, but the defensive line, man, they've come right to the end zone where we're allowed to be, and so we are close enough to touch them. So those guys I feel like, a, at least for now, I have a good feel for. Nick Fairley's only missed a practice and a half. Keep in mind, I mean, I know they say cramps, and let's hope that's the case. Uh, he, he practiced for half that practice on, on Sunday, and I got a lot of pics of him. Uh, it was yesterday that he missed, uh, but I'm telling you this. I feel very good about Nick Fairley. I feel very good about Sheldon Rankins. I can't 100% say the same for John Jenkins. I didn't watch Jenkins, though, as much as I did the other guys. I know he, he did look really good in a couple drills I had, but the guy that, that really stands out because he just seems to be the hungriest is Tyler Davison. He just seems like his guy is just like he's not going to let any offensive lineman stop him one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what I've seen thus far. I really like what I've seen from that guy. But what I'm really encouraged about is Edibali and Tull and, and Ovum Guachum. I mean, these three guys are very intelligent. I've talked to each one of them one-on-one, -on -one, um, and I've watched them. They, they, these guys are pushing each other. And I'm not saying we can't use a Freeney. I'm not going out there. But I like the fact that he's got this competition among the three, and they are really helping each other. It's funny. They'll, like, talk about things. Because that's the one position I said we're so close to and we can hear what they're saying that they'll talk to each other and say, hey, man, what do you think I did wrong here? And they're actually giving each other real advice as opposed to trying to sabotage so they can win the job. It's a healthy competition at that one spot, and I think we're going to be fine at it, to be honest with you. That's great. That's really great to hear. That really is. You, you wrote an article, uh, I believe, yesterday, either yesterday or today, on Bird and McCarr. Is this going to be the year that that – Sean Payton plan of what? Two, I'm crossing my fingers right here, baby. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers. I mean, listen, I, I've actually got had some conversation with both those guys, and I feel better about them than I ever have. I wrote the article saying, and Alan, I'm just going to fill you in and whoever else is listening. Basically, I said, listen, this might seem crazy, but if you remember in 2014 when, they, when the Saints picked up Bird, the NFL Network, you know how they do their list and you know who's better at what. Well, they did a list of the top 15 to 20 safety combinations in the league, and only Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor from Seattle bested Kenny Vaccaro and Jarris Bird. Now, they were doing that on the strength of Jarris Bird's you know, 22 interceptions in five years in Buffalo, three all-pro seasons, or pro-bowl seasons, I should say, and then Kenny Vaccaro coming off that really stellar rookie year when the Saints are really good. Well... Injuries and then inconsistent play from Vaccaro has dropped them to the second half, I would imagine, in most people's minds of the NFL and safety combos. But I am I am an optimist myself, and I'm just watching the guys play. I, Bird is not 100%, but he's not nearly as banged up as he's been since I've seen him here, and this is the third training camp. So that's my hope. But that's why you got Vaughn Bell, because at least now you have another guy you can stick in at both free and strong if you need it. But I'm optimistic cautiously optimistic that this really truly can be a top five secondary group. I really do feel that way. I mean, well, I think, safety. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Sean Payton's been looking for his next Darren Sharper since 2009. Uh, he got Bird to be that guy, to be that Darren Sharper, and Bird just hasn't panned out. And I think Von Bell now is the guy he's bringing in to be that guy who's going to force turnovers. Because Peyton wants a defense that 
gets steals possessions for his offense, gets the turnovers, and that's his most important statistic. And if you look every year that we've, we've been here, since Sean Payton, I should say, has been here, we've been on the negative side of the giveaway-takeaway ratio, except for 2009. And that when we were on the plus side, look what happened that year. And that's what he keeps trying to recreate with this defense. So I agree with you. I think uh, Von Bell is the guy that he's looking at as the safety of the future. This is Bird's last chance. Let's see if we can get out of Bird. We can ever get what we thought we were going to get in 2014 uh, and go from there. I, I think uh, Scott made a valid point a while ago when he said the, the, the high expectations – Peyton had for Bird have not necessarily been let down on the field by his play so much as the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And he's playing with, he's really playing at 70% last season. Listen, fans just want results, and I'm going to give Bird credit because the one thing he said, you know, his dad was a four-time All-Pro, not just Pro Bowlers, and he said, you know, his oh, dad's yeah. like, listen, man, you're going to be judged on what you do on the field. Nobody cares about your injuries. You know, this is the year. We all know this is his year because if he doesn't produce this year, this is basically a contract year for him because yep. he's in the third Absolutely. year that, of that, did that six-year deal, and after this year, the guaranteed money's up. So yep. if he doesn't perform at a very high level, he knows he's gone. He's even said it. He's like, I'm motivated. And it's not just – he says, I don't want to be injured. You know, I feel like it's – you know, they, the, the Saints are so cautious with their injuries that he feels that – He's kind of tied because he wants to tell the world what the problem is, but the Saints, obviously, like a lot of teams, especially Patriots, they don't want anything about their injuries out. And uh, so that said, I, I agree. I, but I like his attitude this year. For the first time, I really see something in his eyes when he's talking to us as the media. And I don't know if that's going to translate in the field, but I'm hoping it does. Well, as long as we're on the subject of unfulfilled expectations, uh, <laughs> C.J. Spiller. Are we ever going to get anything out of him, healthy or not? I, I, I look at that as being a colossal and expensive mistake last year. Because you take away – It's just one year, Alan. I mean, it's just one year. Um, you know, I mean, you, if, he, if he starts off slow, I imagine that he's going to be on the chopping block pretty soon. But that's another guy with some guaranteed money. Um, Buffalo has not been kind to the Saints. Not, not at all. Not between not those since, guys. Not since Jabari Greer. Yeah, nonsense, my man, one. Jabari Gray. True story. No, I'm I'm optimistic about him too. I mean, I saw him do a couple plays where he took it to the house in practice, and I'm like, you know. And the one thing he said he couldn't do last year at all was cut. And I did see a spin move and a cut that impressed me at training camp. And I'm like, once again, I I got to see about ten of those to be able to tell you honestly that he can keep doing it. But it's a good sign. We're giving you a lot of good signs. And last year at this time, I wasn't giving you a lot of good signs. I was giving you some optimism, but it was much more guarded than it is now. I feel good about Spiller. I actually feel better about Spiller than I do about Bird, to be honest with you. Wow. Okay. Good deal. Well, you know, you need a uh, you need that joker back, you know, that, that Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles type of back in this offense because I talked to Sean about this last week. You know, this offense is predicated on – a deep threat, someone who can stretch the seams, and someone who can come out the backfield and get those mismatches on linebackers. And last year we didn't have that. We had somebody who could stretch the field and cooks, but at 35 years old, uh, you know Benjamin Watson 
wasn't Jimmy Graham. He could not stretch the seam. Sean, uh, Marcus Colson clearly was had lost a step, you know. So and then you didn't have Spiller come in there as the underneath guy get those mismatches in the linebackers. So the offense a lot of times had trouble struggling just to get on track, get that first first down, get those drives going, start moving those chains. I think we're going to see more of that this year because it looks like, you know, Spiller aside, it looks like Michael Thomas is the real deal, and it looks like uh, Kobe Fleener is going to be the next Jimmy Graham, that seam, that red zone threat, someone who is going to move those chains on third down. Is it and get the 25-yarder over the middle, like you hinted about. They're getting that timing down. I'm telling you, that's that's the thing that concerned me the most because, John, I'm going to go to you now because how crazy was it that we were so spoiled with those plays that we looked so routine when Colston was down in the middle, 30 yards down the field, or Jimmy Graham, that timing play right over the linebacker's fingertips before the safety came up, and he had it right in his hands. Well, I'm not saying it's going to be overnight for Fleener, but – I'm a lot more encouraged from minicamp to where I am now from seeing the progression of those two together. And then when you're talking about adding Thomas, you get two big targets in the end zone, whereas you really had none because Colston was kind of at the end of his career. And now you have that connection with these smaller, faster guys. Like, obviously, Snead's not the burner, but Snead gets open better than almost anybody in the NFC South. I mean, that's how good he is. So, I feel good call I call him the poor man's. Uh, I call Snead the poor man's Lance Moore because uh, he he's is. Tired of that, by the way. Don't, he's tired of that comparison. <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> well, I tell we you did what. that last year, didn't we? He said, don't compare me to him anymore. He's like, well, I'm, he's, I'm, you know, it is what it is. He's got to pick up the dance moves. He doesn't have Lance Moore's dance moves yet. But but who does? I, yeah, I you're right. Worth, I think it's worth mentioning is when we're talking about uh, Watson a year ago. At the beginning of the season, uh, I don't know if it was even until maybe the Dallas game that they started even attempting to use him in the quote-unquote Jimmy Graham-type way. They just had him in there blocking, doing what he normally did when he came in in relief of Graham, and it wasn't up until – maybe the fourth minute, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but that was the first time that they ever really started using him, and you saw that once they started to use him in that way, he flourished. And uh, Scott can probably answer this if if I'm mistaken about it, but uh, I'm getting the the impression just from the things that I'm seeing coming from camp that Fleener is going in in the Jimmy Graham role straight in right off the bat is that oh, no doubt well no you're paying him 7.1 million he's in that role but yeah. here's the thing man remember last spring when before they got Fleener, before they they re-signed who man and then josh hill was uh was uh, was you know they weren't sure what they were going to do with him either because remember they had to get a matching offer from the bears well all yeah, of right. a sudden the tight end position looks extremely strong because those two dudes or playing better than I've ever seen him play. I'm talking about who man and uh, obviously Josh Hill. They look like they're possessed right now. But dude, I'm telling you right now, Kobe Fleener flat out said this, and I'll, I'll back him up from what I've seen. Rashawn Allen and Manhurts, they're going to have a tough time. They're keeping four, I think, at tight ends. I really feel that way. I, I, I agree with you on that. And they're going to have a tough time deciding on that last one because these guys are balling right now. 
Rashawn Allen's catching balls over the middle that remind me of Antonio Gates. I'm being honest with you, and I know he's got a long way to go to keep proving that, but this position looks very solid to me this year. Manhurts is going to be very interesting to watch in preseason because, you know, uh, yeah, he's a basketball player, and he's uh, he's going to do that same same route as Graham and, and Gates and uh, Gonzalez. But unlike those other guys, he's never really played football. He's played. He's been strictly a post-basketball player. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does with his hands, how he gets off the line of scrimmage, how he fights for to get open. You know, that's going to be a good thing to watch, and that will probably be the deciding factor between he and uh, Rashawn Allen. Uh, who's going to be that fourth tight end? He's a specimen, no doubt. They may even put one on practice squad. That would be a lot to carry, though, but still, that's a lot of guys, and they have a lot of potential. Um, I like the fact – I think Fleener is a lock right now for about 80 catches this year. I mean, the, well, they, they're going to spread the ball out, so that might be much. But 75 catches, 900 yards to 1,000 minimum, and give him eight touchdowns. I feel that strong about Fleener. Well, with uh... – with uh, with that in mind, speaking of uh, that that fourth spot, how does that fourth wide receiver position look? Uh, you got Brandon Coleman, who is the you know the incumbent, but I don't know how strong he's got a hold of that position. How about those other guys? I think I think Coach wants Shaquem Nix to take that job. I really do. He's only 28 years old, and um, I know he's not the same guy he was when he got 2,250 yards and and 155 catches and uh, 18 touchdowns in two-year stretch from 2010 to 11. But I'm telling you, I've seen enough that at least he's going to compete. Uh, obviously, Coleman is the guy to beat out at the moment. Um, I think they feel a little less that they have to have Coleman, not they have the size of Fleener and particularly of uh, Thomas going to the red zone. But Coleman's taller than – well, he's definitely taller than, than, than Thomas. Maybe not Fleener. They're about the same. But the fact is, is that guy better start catching some more balls because – We've gotten in the media, whereas there's a ball that he may be in a little traffic, but he'll miss, and the first thing we say is Michael Thomas would have had that ball. So you can't keep hoping a wide receiver catches the ball. At some point, you have to know he was going to catch the ball. So I think he's on the line. Now, if you're looking for a couple dark horses, there's a bunch of them at wide receiver. But I, I, I've said this, and I know, Sean, I think you were high on him earlier, but our guy Jake Lampman, man, it continues to impress the hell out of everybody, at least that's watching on the sideline, because he is a beast, and he's fast as heck, and Sean Payton has said that. I have a bite that I'm probably going to throw out tomorrow about Sean Payton talking about the speed of this guy. And, you know, a lot of people look at a white receiver, and they don't think speed. They think, <laughs> they think possession. I'm being honest with you, Wes Welker, et cetera. But he gets around the cornerbacks, and he's got some crazy hands. He caught a one-hander that really – really was as good as Michael Thomas's, except for the fact that he didn't go extending with it as well. But it was that good. So if you're looking for a real dark horse, dark horse, Jake Lantman might be a guy. But right now it's a battle between, I think, Coleman first and uh, obviously uh, Akeem Nix. I know they're high on RJ uh, Harris as well. Uh, I haven't seen much at camp. He was blown up at OTAs and minicamp, but I really haven't seen much from him thus far at training camp. Well, you know, they got a great nickname right now for the, the three big receivers uh, with Coleman, I mean, that's Coleman, uh, Cooks, uh, Thomas, and uh, Snead. They call them the BMW Club. Uh, it's Brandon, B, Michael, yeah. M, really? and uh, Willie for the W, the BMW Club. I really like that. First, I've heard it, and I think I will have to steal it. Thank you very much. It's very nice. <laughs> that's it's a good name. name. 
Somebody's trying to sell some t-shirts, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They're gonna yeah, believe me. They'll they'll make those t-shirts. You'll see it. Well, if I use it in an article, you won't get mad, will you? <laughs> no, not at all. I read it off of Twitter, so you know don't, I'm not taking credit for that creation. All right. If it runs like BMW, I don't care what they call it. <laughs> um, one last position. Uh, we talked a little bit about the linebackers. Uh, how do the linebackers look? Uh, everything I'm hearing is it's like night and day with them. Uh, well, that's the thing. Let me just start there. Last season, I went into the first preseason game like thinking, how are these guys like Kakaha and Anthony going to guard anybody? And I was right. They couldn't guard anybody. <laughs> but I don't – dude, I'm going to tell you right now. If Danell Ellerby stays healthy, he's impressing me. He looks healthy, 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 and his attitude is as good as I've seen. He's only been here two years, but it looks good. But the guys that I'm really impressed with, the two free agents that they picked up, man, Craig Robertson and Stupar are really blowing me away. These guys are difference makers, certainly on special teams. They're beasts. They don't care who's in their way. They'll knock the crap out of you. But besides that, they're good linebackers, and they all three play all three positions, man, and they do it well. Craig Robertson gets back in coverage really as well as anybody I've seen. I'm trying to think for Saints linebackers in a while. Let's just say that. Um, and then Stupar, man, he's so athletic, and I didn't give him credit for that because I didn't watch a lot of Falcons games because I don't like them. But I love, <laughs> I love this guy's attitude, and I love everything that about him. That is real. That is real. <laughs> yeah, the hate, the hate well, is real. You know, I haven't seen a Saints linebacker who can cover uh, God probably since the Bum Phillips era, oh, and they, even that was even that is stretching it because uh, the Dome Patrol they were good, but they weren't cover linebackers. They went after the quarterback and they stuffed the run. Um, Mark Fields wasn't bad for a middle linebacker. But, no, uh, no, he, he really grew in Carolina, unfortunately. The Saints let him go too soon. He was really raw, had a lot of speed, but uh, when he was ready to make that next step, he was in Carolina. True um, story. My understanding is that Laurinaitis is uh, just taking over the linebacker room, linebackers out there in the field. He is just barking at them, getting them guys lined up, telling them, making the calls, telling them, uh, you know, what's coming, getting everybody ready. And that's something you did not see last year. Last year, they were lost puppy dogs. They looked all over the place. It was chaos last year. It was, oh. And I'm telling you what, Stefan Anthony is grateful that he has this guy. And I'm going to say this is the three things on defense, I'm going to say right now, besides the people coming back from injuries. Dennis Allen's leadership is extraordinary, extraordinary. I'm telling you right now, the respect level that this guy gets is incredible, but Laurinaitis and Roman Harper's voices on the field and on the sideline, and I haven't been in the locker room yet, but their voices in the media area are extraordinary, and they cannot be underestimated no matter what they do on the field because these are the leaders that this franchise has been missing since Vilma and Jenkins and Harper himself, and they need these guys, man. And the, you can just watch the play. I talked to Von Bell yesterday. Von Bell says, man, I just want to soak up everything that Roman Harper has to say. And everybody says the exact same thing about Lauren Ias, getting back to your, your original question. This is a home run. I don't care what pro football focus says he does as far as tackling. I could care less. 
those guys. Don't get me started on those guys. I've uh, got two eyeballs, uh, both Alan and, and, and Sean. I see up close, and I'm watching this guy, direct traffic, and they didn't have that last year. And quite frankly, I was I like Curtis Lofton, but he does it better than Curtis Lofton, no doubt. Nobody has done it this well since Jonathan Vilma with the Saints. That's great. That's great. People lost their minds a while back when we got Roman back. They wanted to throw their hands up. Why? Everything we need. Why are we bringing in a washed up who's at the end of his career? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. What he may not have on the field, he's going to bring to the huddle. And this defense for the past two seasons has carried on its back the responsibility of two seven and nine seasons for the most part. The, 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 the biggest part of the blame for those two consecutive seven and nine seasons falls at the feet of the defense because first and foremost, there was absolutely no leadership whatsoever from sideline out onto the field. Now that's my personal opinion on that. Roman Harper, James Laurinaitis, they are absolutely necessary for this defense to even get to average and to break out of the historically bad mode that it's been the past two seasons to get to even being average, much less exceptional. Well, I certainly agree with that. I mean, you know, the, the problems you've had, you had two major problems last year. Number one, Rob Ryan may be a genius conceptually, but he had no way of explaining it to his players what he wanted them to do. They couldn't align right. They couldn't get the right personnel out, anything like that. The second thing is you've got a young team. You need to have those veterans who've been there, done that, seen it, and can tell these guys, this is what they're doing to you. You know, this is how this is how they're beating you. And show them to stop making the same mistakes over and over and over again. I was picked on by people because I was saying I was watching Anthony make the same mistakes in week 15 that he was making in week one. That's not a criticism of Anthony's football intelligence or his abilities. What it is is I'm saying that no one was there to tell Anthony, this is how they're fooling you. They are sucking you in with a misdirection play. They are getting you a play action. You're biting on the fakes, you know. This is what you need to look for. These are the keys you need to read. And people think, okay, I've played football for 12 years. I should know how to do this by now. It's always something new, especially when you get to the NFL level. It happens so fast that, you know, if you make a bad read, bam, you're lost. The play is over. You're beaten. So I, that's what I like about the Harper signing. That's what I like about the Laurinaitis signing. Because you've got somebody now breaking the film down with them in the film room saying, listen, this is how they like to run this play. This is what you need to look for to see this play is coming. No matter how they disguise it, this is what's going to happen. This is how you can put yourself in a position to make the play. How do you feel about that, Scott? No, I'm in 100% agreement. I'm going to say the one thing that Dennis Allen, uh, that everybody is saying about him, and they're saying exactly what you said because they don't—they like Rob, right? And I'm just using Picaro as an example. I'm not speaking out of turn here. Picaro, just listen. I like Rob Ryan, but the, the, I'm a football player. I'm an instinct guy. I don't 
sit here and want to have to try to remember which which one of these uh, exotic defenses I'm supposed to be in. And that yeah. takes a second away from what you got to do. And I've heard it from linebackers, and I've heard it from defensive linemen as well. It's just a simpler thing. And, man, these are football players. Not to say they're not smart guys. Most of them are. But the less you have to think about your next step, the better football player you're going to be. And I've heard it time and time again in this whole Absolutely. week. We've talked to 45 players, and I've heard it from about 10 of them. Absolutely. Uh, last last position because uh, I'm not going to talk about kickers. I don't care about kickers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, last position, cornerback. I mean, we are hearing a lot, a lot of good things. You were talking about the tight end position being competitive earlier. Uh, I find that the cornerback position is just unbelievably talented this year. Even the undrafted rookies look really, really good in camp, especially once they put the pads on. And on the 7-7 seven seven drills, you're seeing them take a lot of balls away, something you did not see the previous two years. Well, what's your, well yeah. What's your... The rookies, dudes, you're talking about Crawley and Pruitt are ball hawk kind of guys. Now, it's going to be tough to make the team. A lot's going to depend on Keenan Lewis's health. Uh, haven't seen a lot of full contact here yet. I mean, he's on the field doing some mirroring, but – but obviously the, the P.J. Williams thing is the biggest thing. And this is exactly why I kept trying to drill in people's heads that we didn't have to have a cornerback in the draft. I mean, unless you thought that Keenan Lewis was not going to come back at all, you had bigger fish to fry. And not that they fried them all. We know they didn't get a guard, but they did do pretty well and, and undrafted free agent with the guards. But I thought that they really did well in this draft. I do because now you when you look at – the cornerback position, by not going after one, you really kind of helped yourself because now you're letting P.J. Williams shine, and he is shining. This is a second-round talent that only dropped to the third because of that DUI. Um, and then you, you you include who I think is one of the top five to ten corners in the game, Delvin Burrow. He is that good. Uh, yesterday, Roman Harper, two days ago, said he is the best on the line of scrimmage cornerback I've ever seen in the NFL. He said he's one of the top three for sure. And now he's got to make sure he can stay in coverage. He's going to he, he's young. He's still going to get beat. But when you combine those guys with with PJ, who could play a lot of nickel, along with Von Bell, and then you 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 talk about Keenan Lewis, if he comes back, and that's a big if. Boy, I feel very good about this defense. I really do. I feel very good about it. I'm still not sold on the the pass rusher yet, opposite Jordan. But I like what I've seen from the three guys. So when you can put the whole package together. Listen, no one was talking about the defense when Rob Ryan came over and they were 32nd in the league and they'd given up 7,000 yards, 440 yeah. per game. And all of a sudden they dropped to 305 per game. I'm not saying this defense can do that, but if you cut down about 50, 60 yards, you're going to win a couple more games just for that fact, period. I've told Absolutely. people from, from the jump, you know, for two seasons we've all, almost broken even at 7 and 9 with a historically bad defense. You take that historically bad defense and just bring it up to average. How many more games that you were relatively within reach of winning, how many more games does that add to your win total? Who knows? Maybe three. I mean, maybe none, but maybe three. I mean, either way, I mean, you got to take the chance. And they're going to be better. I'm just telling people. This over and under six and a half, I feel like, Take paying your bet if it doesn't happen because that over and under for six and a half wins that Vegas has right now, if you got money, I would jump all over that over because I can't imagine. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Well, a thumbnail sketch real quick on uh, on David Onyema, 
I cannot say his guy's name. Anyamada. Anyamada. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what do you think of him and his ability to possibly contribute at all this year? Uh, right now, I would say not um, yet. Um, he does. He. I watched him a lot, and and the one thing he does have, he'll bull rush the heck out of you. But a, a, a good starting offensive lineman will know how to block him. He doesn't have the tricks of the trade, so to speak, right now. Right. Right. But I, I talked at length yesterday to a uh, a scout from the Toronto Argonauts who was in town, really good guy uh, that knows him well, and he told me enough to keep me encouraged. He's like, listen, I think I, I'm glad. I was actually okay with the pick with Anyamata because I like taking chances like this. But this guy, by year three, really could be an impact player in the NFL. That's a big could be, but I'm I'm leaning more towards that than him being a bust. I really am. And I say impact player, just give me about two-thirds of the snaps on the field to me, and if you can produce, you're an impact player. And that's what you're hoping for. I don't really expect much from him this year. He might, you know, he's going to be make the team. They're not going to take the chance of him being right. practice squad because, you know, what happened with Open Guachim last year? You know, he was right. practice squad, and we picked him well, up. Somebody will well, pick him up because he has the ability. But uh, I don't see him playing a whole lot. He'll be inactive, I think, mostly. Yeah, the reason why the Saints took him in the fourth round is because Green Bay was looking hard at him, and, and they had gotten information that Green Bay wanted to draft him. So they jumped on him in the fourth round. The last play would be uh, Daniel Lasco. Um, I know he put the ball on the ground a couple times in practice. Uh, I read he's about two more fumbles away from playing in the Arena Football League. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, how... Uh, how is he doing, other than putting the ball down on the ground, how is he doing as far as what are they doing with him? Are they trying him as a kick returner? Are they going to use him as a gunner? What are they yeah, thinking with him? All of the above. I mean, all of the above. I mean, Lasco, now Lasco's got, if he fumbles in a preseason game, he might be gone. But let me say this. You can't teach the skills he has, Sean uh, and, and, and Alan. I mean, this guy's got incredible, he could be, I'm just telling you. This is a Darren Sproles type player. He's got that kind of crazy energy. I mean, I'm just now that's a stretch because Sproles has proven it. But Lasco is a third round pick if he's not hurt last year. Flat out a third round pick. I did a Cal sure. game. I, I did had game. Him. He's a great football player. He just got to learn to hang on the ball and get a little bit stronger. But I like everything about Daniel Lasco, and I think he will be a sneaky good. If not kickoff returner, they might try him at punt returner because he he is a guy with those moves that. It's hard to say anybody's like Darren Sproles because that guy's a pinball machine. But if there's a guy that could be considered a poor man's Darren Sproles, I'm gonna give it to Daniel Lasco right now. Okay, Scott, I would I would like to ask you one thing uh, for our our media guy that that helps us out, uh, John Pinto. He wanted to know about Garrett Grayson and the quarterback competition. Well, personally, I want to give John Pinto a, a big, big thank you from me. He has been very, very, very helpful, and and I'm very appreciative of, of him spreading the word about my, my sites and my, my shows and then my, my stories. So I want to thank him. Thank you, John. I really appreciate you giving me. Absolutely, John. Um, and I second first, that completely. He, okay. uh, he handles stuff for us, and John worked together for going on three, and he – He's got the the energy and energizer bunny. No, I'm very thankful. New Orleans Saints football. All right, now Garrett Grayson. I, I, I was not high on Garrett Grayson last year. I'm high on Garrett Grayson right now. 
he's he's buy, I'm buying high because this guy looks toys to me, and that's not unexpected from a rookie last year. I just he said it he said it himself best. He's like Scott, listen, this game has slowed down a lot for me, and it's evident on the field. I'm telling you, he checks off. He's not trying to force things in. He'll even look at his fourth receiver if if the offensive line gives him time. I'm a lot more encouraged about Garrett Grayson right now than I was at any point last year at all. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy that they have him on the team right now. And I like Luke, too. I mean, Luke is – it'll be a sad day for me when Luke McCallum gets cut because that guy is the greatest dude in an interview room that you'll ever want to be around. He, he's, no, he's, he's, he's all business, but, man, that Southern that, – that Texas twang he's got and all the knowledge in that dude's head. And I think Grayson – is on his way to being that. So that's going to be an interesting situation awesome. if they decide to keep three guys or two because right now, the way Grayson's playing, I think they might just keep two. I don't know, but uh, I hate to see Luke go, though, personally. I know they need the roster spot, so, so we'll see. Well, and that unfortunately, that brings you right into the next subject matter. Uh, Drew Brees' contract. Uh, Mickey Loomis touched on this in the beginning of, the, uh, of training camp said that they hadn't talked in a few uh, few months, he and uh, Breeze's agent. Um, what is your gut feeling about the contract standoff? Do you think they'll get something done before training camp is over with? Do you think they're going to let uh, risk Breeze being a free agent? Well, actually, they won't. I think they'll tag him first. But do you think they're going to let this go, let him play out his last year and just see what he looks like uh, come 2017? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, I think they'd like to have the deal done, but I think they really would like to see how this goes out. And like you said, they have that tag. They have that tag card, man. And, you know, this is a business at the bottom line. I, I don't think they'll let Drees play under a tag. I think this is the year they're going to just say, okay, they know the salary cap's going to go up a little bit, so mm -hmm. let's just play this thing out, give him $30 million, which is a lot of jack. Drees should be happy with that. But the fact is that Breeze is not going to play for 20, under $25 million a year. Now after seeing right. what all these other cats are getting. But the Saints, on the yeah. other hand, are going to hold that card in their pocket. And if he has a year like, say, 2014, which really wasn't a good year, but we know he had an oblique issue that year. But if he plays more like that than he did in the second half of last year, particularly in December, uh, there were some games Breeze looked very ordinary. Let's be honest. I mean, the Washington Absolutely. game, the Philadelphia game, but Breeze also had some injuries. I mean, so he was limited with the shoulder and, and some foot stuff going on. But I feel very high about Breeze's production this year. Like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now that Peyton Manning's single-season record might be in jeopardy. I'm just telling you because he finally has the best assortment of overall weapons in my mind as a group that he's ever had. And I mean that. Oh, Thank that's you. nice. That's a sweet pick. That's my basketball star there. Uh, that's won, that's a, a statement. She won a state championship this year, so i got to brag yeah. on her. First exactly. state championship in school history. What's, what's school? Uh, uh, Ursuline Academy. Oh, uh, I know all about Ursuline. All right. Yeah, yeah she sure won she a state championship. Kendall, Kendall fact, McGowan, uh, you know her? Yes, Kendall's one of her good friends. Well, that's Kendall's her dad Her dad and I are best friends. We were in each other's oh, weddings. Really? Okay, there you go, yeah. Kendall yeah, McGowan, baby. I know the McGowies. Um yeah, in fact, we're going Saturday night to uh, a banquet at the Superdome, uh, the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation is honoring the team uh, for winning the state championship. Uh, Congratulations. Best basketball team in the state. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's really great. 
It was a fun ride. I tell you what, it was a fun, fun ride. Well, you know, I've had people tell me that there's no way the Saints could play use the cap on, I mean, the tag on Breeze with the cap situation they got. You know, we've got $22 million in dead money this year, and you've got $30 million uh, Breeze counts towards the cap. Do the math. That's $52 million. The, the tag next year is, what, $43 million, I think, for one year? That's so, I do, yeah, I do believe they do think that's their trump card, that they uh, – they can try and let this stretch out until next year. It's a dangerous game because uh, we've been already going through all the talent the Saints have at receiver. You know, if the offensive line can just hold up just a little bit, we could be looking at a 2011 type of offense. And if that's the case, Breeze is really going to be demanding some money. And it's hard because here's a 37-year-old guy most teams don't pay 37-year-old quarterback $100 million contracts. But if Breeze wants a $25 million a year deal, four-year deal, that's what we're looking at. So it's, uh, it's, not, it's, a, it's not the end of the world, but it's a dangerous game you're playing with this. It's a delicate situation. It's a delicate situation because he is, he is the face of this franchise and has been for a decade. But you're right, at some point – it has to become a business. You really don't want to sign him more than three more years. I mean, he's not going to accept that. But four years, you better at. He's going to want most of that up front guaranteed. So when you cut him, you know, it, yep. it is a, it's a fact of life. But uh, it's a tough spot to be in. I hate to be Mickey on that one because everybody loves Drew so much. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, I'm well the, you guys, the only yeah, I'm going to let y'all finish up because you got ten minutes. I want y'all to talk. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to talk. We're going to kind of wrap it up a little bit too. Um, thank you, Scott. Appreciate you so much for uh, participating thank tonight. Thank you very much. Yeah, guys. Uh, thank you all. This uh, is incredible. If you would, uh, if you would, let everybody know how they can follow your work. Yeah, real quick, I'll let you know. It's easy. SaintsInsider.com. I'm putting up literally six to seven stories a day here at training camp. I put up nine the first day. Um, I'm, I'm working literally from 7.30 in the morning till about 2 in the morning. And I, I love it. I'm doing it. So for training camp, come on. Come on to my message boards, man. I'm having some fun with some guys. I'd love to hear from you. Also, uh, if you're in New Orleans area, there's a TV show called in Primetime Sports with Scott Alexander. We have guys every week, like the, the Ricky Jacksons, the Archie Mannings, uh, the Delvin Bros. Every week I've got these guys on. So come check that out. It's on WLAE at 6 o'clock on Tuesdays. And then Absolutely. we're on again at 10 o'clock on Thursdays. But thank you all so much, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Scott. Thank appreciate you, Scott. You. Okay, so, you know, the thing we got next next week is uh, practice against the, uh, the Patriots. Um, they've got... They've got a preseason game, their first preseason game coming up. They're going to do some work next week with the uh, New England Patriots, so that should be exciting because we're going to finally see what our guys look like when they're playing against someone other than their own teammates who know what they're going to do. Can you believe that we have passed the last Sunday until February without football? Well, I, I watch football games on YouTube, so... You know, every Sunday's <laughs> NFL Sunday for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually pulled up a, uh, a Canadian football. Hey, I didn't, I, I didn't make it very long, but uh, well, when ESPN 
When ESPN yeah. first came on, they had a whole lot of nothing. I used to watch Warren Moon play uh, in the CFL and uh, watch the old USFL sure. with Bobby Bear and Jim Morris. So, um, yeah, yeah, so I've, I've watched for a long time. But, yeah, next week we can talk about uh, how they looked against the Patriots. Uh, we can go into the preseason game. We can see how that looks. We can uh, preview that one. Uh, I'm really excited. I think this year is going to be a special year. Uh, I'm not predicting a 2011 or 2009 type of season, but I think we're going to see a team that's closer to the 2013 team than what we saw these past two years. I completely agree. Quality and it starts to the vibe in West Virginia right now is so much better than what we've seen over the past couple of seasons. You have to, I would suggest, or what I'm doing anyway, you have to, we're only five days in. You, let's get to the and uh, let's see the same kind of energy. Well, you're right. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, we hope to catch you guys next week. We want to thank you all for watching. Uh, this was a great show. Uh, we're going to try and get some more guests lined up for you guys so you all can hear from people who are actually at the uh, practices and are covering the game, and you get kind of an insider look at what's going on with the Saints. Um, so join us next Tuesday night, uh, 8 o'clock Central, uh, Central Time. Uh, that will be 9 o'clock for you guys out there in the East Coast. And uh, thank you again for watching. I'm Alan Ulrich. And my teammate out here. Who, there you go, Sean. Yeah, my teammate out there. Thank you all for we're, watching. We're, we're getting that.